Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Oh, Andrew! Andrew! I gotta fire it up! And breaking news, the Saints did what the Saints do. They traded up because of course they did. Andrew, tell the people what you did 10 minutes ago You when you called me and I was just finishing up giving my kid a bath because I saw they were on pick, pick, 40-whatever, and I thought, I've got 15 minutes. I'll bathe my kid. We'll be good for 8.15. Call me and tell me what you told me, and I didn't believe you. I was just like, dude, where have you been? What are you doing? And you're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, dude, it's over. The Saints picked. And you're like, no, come on. Seriously. And I'm like, yes, no, it's done. They they traded. It's over. And you, you didn't believe me. Yeah, it was uh, it was crazy. It was the Saints being the Saints trading up in chaos while I'm bathing my kid. All right, so give me the details of the trade. I don't even know the trade. I was too busy firing up the Matrix. Yeah, so basically the Saints gave up a 2020 pick, second 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 round. Uh, they're 62 <laughs> overall, um, and a sixth round pick this year. So three picks to move up and take Eric McCoy, center of Texas A&M. You know, it's one of those things where, I mean, I said it, the Saints were going to do something annoying, and that's exactly what happened. They gave up a lot to make this happen. Uh, now, now I will say this. So Eric McCoy, you know, he highly rated um, – I have him, you know, I, I did a uh, spreadsheet where I morphed. Uh, I took the top 100 players of ESPN, top 100 players of NFL.com, top 100 players of CBS, top 100 players of PFF. I created a spreadsheet algorithm where uh, I took the four grades combined and morphed them into a ranking one through 100. So basically, you know, it's taking the four, you know, because they vary. And McCoy came up 41 overall. So these three, these four ratings combined had him very high. PFF said that he gave up zero sacks in 471 pass blocking attempts last year. So he is a very good center. Uh, He's got, he's rated as having very high character. He's one of those guys where, um, I just think, uh, you know, he's well, he's well respected from a character standpoint and, and people are saying he's a plug and play center. So I think there's a good chance he'll end up being a starter this year for the saints. And, um, there you go. Uh, I mean, here's oh, the oh, thing. Oh, here we go. So Monadula 
is is chatting. He's claiming that we also picked up a fourth round pick. Hmm. So yeah, I'm still waiting on more of the details, but it looks like we 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 gave up two twos and a six, and we picked up, we moved up in the second round, and we also got a fourth. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just here's the thing, man, and this is why I was really hoping they wouldn't do this. And 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 I don't I don't know if the center's any good, right? I, I I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna pretend that. But um, uh, Ralph, you mute yourself. Did I mean? Now you're I good. My, no, I here. Andrew, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh yeah. So it's just annoying because I know they're gonna burn more 2020 assets come October. So you're going to be in two and three drafts in a row where you're only going to get one, two players. And that's just, that's a bad, that's a bad cycle to be in, man. Um, But, you know. um. I mean, it's just, it's so typical. Like at this point, it's like, it's who we are, you know? So it's, I'm not going to lie. It's frustrating. Like, I mean, my initial reaction is, man, these guys, they just couldn't help themselves. And I look at who, who, the starters are like, we just picked up Nick Easton to be the center. So why are we drafting a center? That's my gut reaction. But you know, the way I see it, they, they could trade Andres Pete. Um, they could move Nick Easton to left guard. Um, you know, they're still going to be, it, what's going to be really interesting is if they keep Andres Pete, cause now all of a sudden you have a battle at center between McCoy Easton Clap and Tom, you got four guys vying for that spot, um, which makes training camp very interesting. I will say, for those of you on the live stream, you can't say that I didn't try to prepare because the the slide on the live stream is emergency Saints draft day trade live stream. Loomis did a Loomis breaking news. I built that yesterday afternoon. So even though I was bathing my kid and I wasn't technically on the spot prepared, I had the show ready, Andrew. Can I just get that out there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you, we, we knew. We were just like – I even said they're trading up. I know they're trading up, but it's just a matter of when. And I'm just glad they didn't give up the first. I think we all just need to be happy that – the, the 2020 first stayed in their pocket. I mean, I've been saying all off season, the 20, there's no way they're going to go through this exercise with the 2020 draft uh, unblemished. And sure enough, second round pick gone. Um, but, you know, again, Max Unger retired. And, and uh, Dave, when we were just texting right now, Dave was on a text chain and he said, you know, hey, when Max Hunter retired, this is the butterfly effect of that. And he's absolutely right. You know, I think the Saints were counting on Unger to give them a couple more years. And uh, this yeah. kind of accelerated the need for a long-term center for them. And now hopefully they have it. Yeah, but here's the thing, man. Like, they had Nick Easton. And, yeah, I know you you're, you did this. You didn't tell us about him in the draft. You had the, the composite spreadsheet of, like, all the rage. You're like, uh, you're like the dude. You're like uh, Jack... Zach Galifianakis in uh, in uh, what's the movie uh, the, the 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 Las Vegas movies right with the with the with all the math equations in your head you had the spreadsheet and yeah he's forty one and the Saints got him at what forty eight forty nine forty eight forty eight forty eight so yeah that's okay value but Jesus Christ man you burned a lot to do it and and 
And look, it's to me. I, I gotta, I gotta say, this trade is a lot less horrific to me than I thought it was at first. <laughs> the the fourth, the fourth makes me feel a lot better. So they because, got a fourth. So now the Saints are gonna get the pick in the fourth round, which is nice. So I mean, that's not terrible, you know. I guess it's not, not terrible that in the sense like the Saints basically, if you're looking at just this year. The Saints get 48 and a fourth-round pick. They give up 62 and a sixth. So in both cases, they're getting the better end of that trade. And what it costs them is a 2020 next year. So, you know, once again, they're burning assets in the future, to, but they're benefiting themselves in the now. Um, and they come out ahead as far as this, this year's draft is concerned. Yeah, I mean, and look, if they're good, if they're a playoff team – that's you know let's say they don't win the Super Bowl but they're a 10 11 win team that pick is 56 57 next year um the problem is though Andrew eventually you have to break this cycle it's like it's like taking out a payday oh they oh oh as long as Mickey Loomis is the GM like it this is who they are they're never gonna break the cycle Ralph it's always it's always gonna be living the right now and for you know who cares about the future because like, i seriously think that mickey loomis he must be he must have like on his phone like alerts for every time there's an end of the world prediction every time there's an end of the world prediction he gets an alert on his phone and he's like oh well the world's ending in 10 days so i might as well trade all my draft picks Dude. I, I, I seriously think he he just he lives in the now Whoever is the GM following Mickey Loomis, I pity that person because they are going to have nothing. They're not going to have cap space. They're not going to have picks. It's going to be the darkest timeline. Um, you know, here's the thing. Well, here, here, here. So here's my question. I think this, you know, if we're if we're evaluating this trade, so Eric McCoy is on the Saints now. I just don't think you trade up to go get a center in the second round unless you really believe he can start for you this year. So yeah. let's say McCoy is your starter at center. You know, they picked up Nick Easton. Where do they go with this offensive line? Do you, is Easton your primary backup guard? Um, is he starting? And is Pete your primary backup tackle? Do they trade Pete? Uh, what, what, what? How do you feel? If you, if you were to guess... I guess so. Two-part question. First part: If you're going left to right, who are your five starters for the, to begin the season? And second question: If Andres Pete is not one of them, is he on this roster? I mean, I think Andres Pete's on the roster. I think it's Armstead, Pete, the draft pick at center. What's his name again? Uh, Eric McCoy. I want to call him. I want to call him McGarry, but I'll, McCoy, Jack McCoy from Law and Order. So Jack yeah, McCoy yeah. starts at center. The real McCoy. And then, and then Larry Warford, and then Ramchek. And I think Easton, can Easton play guard? Yes. I mean, so, you know, uh, Easton can play. And look, Easton is hurt all the fucking this time. More of... Go ahead. Andrew, you Black, there? You think? Yeah, can you What's hear me? What's that? Yeah, I do, can hear do you. Do you, do you think this is an indictment of Will Clapp and uh, Cameron Tom? I mean, this... Definitely, it for takes sure. them off the roster, right? For sure, for sure. One of them kicks off the roster. This is a this is a clear indictment of them because let me tell you, the Saints they didn't move up to get a tackle, 
of right tackle to, to replace Ramchak. They didn't move up to get a guard, even though Warford's getting old, and he has two years, and he's banged up. This is an indictment of Clapp and Tom, who Tom is a guy that, yeah, he was undrafted, and they've kind of nurtured him, but it is a clear indictment of they don't believe in what they have. And this was this was the argument that I've been having with people on Twitter about uh, quarterback with the Saints. And people were arguing, look, uh, the Saints, they don't have anybody on the roster signed after, after 2019. They need to trade up to get a quarterback. They need to move for Rosen. They need to do something. And, and I said, look, they made the fucking decision at quarterback. They believe Bridgewater is the guy. You can argue with them up and down, but they believe that. And they've showed it by they didn't draft a quarterback. They didn't move to get up to get a quarterback. And this is the exact opposite of that at center, where they're like, we just don't trust Nick Easton and Clapp and, and Cameron Tom, man. As soon as they felt sauce, as soon as somebody that they had highly rated that they couldn't resist was available, they fucking did a Saints. They did a Loomis, and they moved up to get him, because that's what they do. If they would have felt like Cameron Tom was the guy, and say he had played two weeks, three weeks in 2018, Andrew, and he'd have been really good, they wouldn't be doing this. They might, They would have done it for somebody else. But they wouldn't have done it at center. You know, like, I agree with you. If this is Loomis' DNA. If it wasn't a center, it would have been a wide receiver. It would have been Irv Smith. It would have been f- fucking whoever. But it wouldn't have right. been a center. Like, this is a – this. you cannot take this as any other way. They don't like what they had at center, and they did something. Uh, although I do think the value is pretty good. I mean, if you if you look at the composite of the, of the, four, of the four draft analysts that I put together, and he's coming out at 41 – and the Saints pick him at 48. Now, the Saints may have had him higher than 41 on their board. Now, remember, they only had 100 players on their draft board this year. Uh, they, they kept yeah. it really tight specifically because they had a, a less picks. So uh, Jeff Ireland basically said, look, if, if, if a guy had a questionable character thing that we didn't like, we just took him off the board this year. We only have 100 players because we knew we didn't have a lot of picks. So we were really picky and choosy about what kind of guys we want. Um, I'm going to tell you right now, on the fourth round, I know they love Foster Moreau. If he's around, look out for that. They could take him. And here's, and here's the thing I want to say. And look, we make fun of Loomis. But I love the fact that the Saints are aggressive and they go for it and they don't sit back. And I want to say something about Loomis in this trade. You know, he does little things in trades that mean a lot. And I'm going to tell you, the 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 Jonathan Sullivan, They remember they mm-hmm. traded up. For Jonathan Sullivan, he was a fucking disaster, right? One of the worst yep. busts in Saints history. But the one thing that Loomis said after they consummated that trade, and he said, it was really important that we flipped picks with Arizona because they gave him the two number ones and they flipped number two picks in the second round with Arizona. And that, that, that pick that they got from Arizona, it turned into Stinchcomb, who ended up being a really, really solid right tackle for a bunch of years. So while everybody yeah. focuses on the 2022nd given up and they drafted a center, like getting a fourth round pick back is really nice, subtle business. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to say, you read this guy's write up and he, he sounds like Ryan Ramchick. 
He really does. Well, let me tell you this. The last time the Saints traded up for a center, it didn't work out. They drafted up Matt Tennant. Although I That's got to true. make a fantastic, I got to make a fantastic Twitter joke about about him two weeks ago. So it might even make that trade worth it. But uh, just to know that, I mean, do you think? I mean, they have actually, they're making, they're going to make another move, Andrew, because if they only have 100 people on their board and they got a fourth round pick now, they're going to burn all the rest of the fucking 2019 assets to get another top 100 player. Like, is that? Rem- I, re- I rem- yeah, no, possibly. Absolutely. I remember Sean Payton saying, you know, ass and mass kick ass. And, and that's what this guy is. I mean, he is. <laughs> In fact, if you look at his draft profile on NFL.com, the first strength that's listed is good girth in the rear and legs. Um, so <laughs> he, is an, he, he is an ass and mass player, and uh, that's what Sean Payton likes. He's, he's always said that about his offensive line. Um, so, you know, I mean, the, more, the, the fact that they got the fourth back, Andrew, I really like that. What, what pick is yeah. the fourth round pick, by the way? It's like 116, I want to say. So you can, they could go up and they could say, hey, we'll give you our, do they have a fifth round pick? No. They do, yes. They could say, we'll give you the fifth and we'll give you the other sixth and we'll get to 97 and we'll take Foster Moreau and we'll call it a day. And like, here's the thing. The Saints, Jeff Ireland has proven that he kind of knows what he's doing. So, you know, you always said, you said, you said a great thing uh, about uh, Mickey Loomis and and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat it because you might not remember it, but then you can, you can uh, expand on it. You said that Mickey Loomis, when he fired the whole scouting staff, his attitude is, I just need a guy that can rate the board correctly and then I'll make my moves how I want. And that's how he viewed it. And he doesn't, he didn't, the Saints didn't change any of their philosophical things of trading up or whatever. Mickey Loomis just said, I need a dude who can build a board that we trust. And Jeff Ireland does that. And, you know, there's no, (coughs) excuse me, there's no reason for them to say, I don't trust you, Jeff Ireland. And if Jeff Ireland says, this guy's good and you want to move up, you do it. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just one of those things where the Saints, they go get their guy. That's their draft philosophy. And if you don't like it, you're rooting for the – I mean, I'm just saying, like, we have been watching this team long enough. They've been doing this. I think this is the 14th time in 17 drafts or whatever that the Saints have traded up. So uh, you may not like it, but it's a thing. They do it. It happens. Um, This shouldn't take any of us by surprise. No. And – um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the comps, the value on this player is that he's good. And uh, so now he's got to do it on the field and hopefully justify the decision and trade. You know, and look, the, 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 you know, we joke about Loomis because he's, he trades up and he does it and it's his, it, it's their identity. It's what they do. And I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast, you know, uh, are younger and maybe 25 and younger. So you don't necessarily, the, the, the late nineties, early two thousand saints, it's sort of a foggy kind of memory for you. You know, if you're under 30 now, right, Andrew, but you know, Randy Mueller, who was the post Dicka guy, this was his thing, man. 
he basically got the job as like a 30-something GM because the Saints were stagnant under Ditka and Kuharik. They didn't understand how free agency works. They never made moves. Randy Mueller, his whole plan for the Saints was, what the fuck are y'all doing? And he came in and was super aggressive. His first year, the year that the Saints, post-Ricky Williams, didn't have a first-round pick, Randy Mueller identified Darren Howard as the mm-hmm. guy he wanted and offered the Raiders, the Saints, 2002, uh, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the Saints, 2001 first-round pick so they could move up and get Darren Howard. The Raiders told him no and drafted a kicker, and Darren Howard just fell to the Saints because the Saints were so bad they picked, what, 34 then, right? Um, Correct. Jim Haslett joked after. He's like, I can't believe the Raiders – turned down a first-round pick next year and took a kicker. I can't believe that. And the Saints were, like, chuckling because they, they they lucked out, right? But this has been their ethos going on two generations. I think we got to be on the lookout um, for the Saints to move up into the third. Um, you know, I mean, I, I, I say this, like, again, like, no 2020 assets are safe here. Here, here, here is – and Manadula is a, is one of our super, our super fans, and he's international – I think he has won the prize for greatest tweet during the 2019 NFL draft. I think he tweeted he tweeted this morning at me when I woke up and I was going to my workout. It was so it was really early because he's on the time team. He tweeted out the Saints are going to pick twice in the second round and none of them are going to be at 62. <laughs> well, I mean, that's Mon- he knows, uh, he knows uh, his team. You know, and I think, man, that is recognition. Like, it's just, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta love the look. We we are we are married to the Saints. We're not going anywhere. I mean, so, how many times does your uncle have to get blackout drunk on Christmas before you know going into Christmas, <laughs> your uncle's gonna be there. He's gonna be slurring his words. He's gonna be blackout drunk, man. That's yeah. how. That's how this goes. Um, and but but I just want to tell people we got we had about seven eight people get over to Patreon. Get your butt over to Patreon because I, Andrew gave me the the the, the notice. Hey, they traded for uh, McCoy. I had it all set up in Patreon. I fired out the the notification to everybody that we're on the live stream. I, I did it on Facebook. So get over to Patreon by May first. You get a beer koozie. It's a better podcasting experience. You can paste the RSS feed into whatever app you use. If it's if it's iTunes, if it's whatever, and you get. The, the paid content that we give you with that RSS feed and whatever app you use for your podcasting uh, delivery. So do it. Get over to uh, get over to Patreon right now. Andrew, the live stream is fucking hopping tonight. Um, and I just want to tell more people than one ever. more thing. Yeah. What's that? It's hop- hopping more than ever. It's hopping more than ever. And I want to tell people... You, all the people on the live stream have probably subscribed to the YouTube channel, but if you're new and you haven't, when we get to 500 subscribers on the YouTube channel, I'm giving out one of our uh, uh, double extra large shirts that's left in our pile of shirts. Uh, I'm giving away for one for free when we hit to 500 subscribers. So if you're in the YouTube live chat and you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, do that right now for us and get your Mateo's Mateo's just said in the chat that two minutes after we go offline, uh, the Saints will be on the clock again. And we'll we'll come back on. We'll come back on because me and Andrew have kids and it's Friday night and we have no lives. And we'll just get ahead. I mean – Here's the thing, too, though, and I think, you know, I think this is a part of, 
you know, I, I missed it again, Andrew, and I, I we on the offensive line just and I, we were so close. And, and and remember on the podcast the last couple of weeks, I've talked about recency bias that I thought the Saints were going to trade up for a tight end or wide receiver because Sean Payton was going to look at it. And and I know the refs fucked the Saints in the NFC Championship game. We don't have to go through that again. But he's going to look at it and say, I can't be running plays in crunch time for fucking Tommy Lee Lewis. I gotta have a weapon. I gotta have another guy. I think it was recency bias, but Andrew, I think the Saints looked at it and said, our offensive line was decimated, and that's the main reason we lost the NFC Championship besides the ref fucking us. We cannot have that happen again. We have to solidify. We have to well, do it. I, I think it's solidify and get younger. You know, I, yeah. I think I think there's a uh, this was a reality check for the Saints a little bit this year. I mean, they, they thought their offensive line – was fantastic. I mean, they and, and rightfully so. But then you look at how it went down and Armstead. I mean, how much time does he even have left? And Andres Peed, he's he's had a lot of yeah. injuries. I mean, he's a young player, but he's had a lot of injuries. Unger suddenly retires. Warford, he missed a lot of practices and was questionable a lot of weeks with mm-hmm. you know, being banged up. And Ramchick is a young player, but he he's had a lot of you know Knicks for a guy that's as young as he is. So, you know, I, and I know Easton, you know, he, he's another guy that's been banged up, but they bring in a, a, a 25, a younger player, and uh, McCoy is 21. Uh, and now you've got Clapp and Tom. And I like the fact that the Saints have a little bit more depth and, and a little bit more youth now because um, what was clear going through this past year is this mm-hmm. offensive line was just not as good as they thought it was because of how banged up it got. Yeah. So they no, need, they needed to restock. I mean, I, I listen, I went into this draft and I told you, Ralph, they can go anywhere but quarterback and I'm okay. That's how I felt going into this draft. There's really no position other than kicker and punter and quarterback that I would be uncomfortable with the saints taking. So they could have gone anywhere here, linebacker, receiver, corner, safety, tight end. I mean, they literally could have picked any position and I would have been happy with it. And, you know, at 48, they get a guy that was a composite 41 overall. Um, and most people feel he's a plug and play center. Centers don't go that early in these drafts. And so most of the time when you get a center in the second round, he's probably going to end up starting for you. Yeah. If he's not, if he, if he's not starting sometime before the midway point of the year, it wasn't a great pick. And that doesn't mean that he can't be a good next year or whatever, but they drafted this dude to play right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna give you a hot take. I think McCoy will end up being a better player than Lindstrom and uh the thirty first pick for the Falcons. The two oh guys the Falcons picked in the first oh. round, I'm gonna say McCoy has a better NFL career. Oh my god, from your from your lips to God's ears. Um can I just say I don't understand what the fuck the Raiders are doing and the Falcons. The Raiders apparently didn't scout any other team besides Clemson. They just keep picking. They, they went to the the national championship game. They just picked Clemson and Alabama players, Andrew. That's all they do. Um, you know, now that this, this team basically, Andrew, they'll probably get one more player maybe. I think they'll I think they're gonna trade up if I had to if if you had put me a gun in my head, I think they're gonna trade up and get Foster Morrow. Let's do that scenario where they get this center McCoy and they got Forrester Morrow. How do you feel going for the Saints going into twenty nineteen? Because that, that means basically the roster is the roster after that. 
Yeah, I wouldn't feel great. I still feel like um, defense is, is a little shaky, and I don't feel like they've done enough. Uh, they really haven't added any depth at linebacker. Um, you, I really would love to see him sign Ziggy Ansar or something at pass rush as a sub. Um, and then at safety, you know, you get rid of uh, Coleman. I mean, maybe you bring him back on a minimum veteran deal, um, but I think they need a little depth there. So um, if they leave this draft with just a tight end and a center, um, you know, I'd be happy for the offense. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, I think they still need to supplement this defense a little bit. And again, I, yeah, it's funny. I told you I really felt like every spot on the starting lineup was taken going into this draft. I really felt like... Mm-hmm. There's really no spot that's up for grabs as a starter. So they're, they're drafting supplemental depth at this point. And I felt strongly about that. And I've got to give credit to Loomis because he went there and he got a center. And all it's made me second guess, like, wait a minute. McCoy could start over Easton at center. Uh, that, that's oh, the guy that like, could, could start for the Saints. I mean, Easton was a nice pickup. And he had other options, but the Saints, his contract was hardly enough. Like, it wasn't what was first reported. Like, that was the total value, but the actual guarantees of it are, like, the Saints can get, the Saints can get out of that easy, you know? Yeah, Dil- Dylan Frederico says the Saints are doing this because the fifth and sixth round picks won't make the roster. They are 110% trading back into the third. And, I, I mean, look, I don't know if it's going to happen, but – I think we all know this at this point. Like, this is who they are. Love it or hate it. You know, they they made it to the NFC. They were one bad call away from making it to the Super Bowl. So they, they've had success, and they believe this is the way this is the way they do it. The Rams are the exact opposite. And they've already traded back twice. They like to accumulate picks. They like to get a bunch of guys. That's the Rams' philosophy. The Saints don't roll that way. They go get their guys. They believe in their scouting department. They believe in Jeff Ireland and his opinions. And they go get guys. So um, we should all be prepared for. I don't know if it'll happen or not, but it would. I mean, it shouldn't surprise any of us. No, I mean, look, you know, and, and look, the the analytics nerds and the the Bill Barnwell's of the world, they hate the Saints. They believe you accumulate picks, and because the draft is is a you know by round, it gets harder and harder to find players. So you need more sort of darts at the board. And look, Kevin's been preaching the trade down thing for years, and they have evidence on their side, but the counter to it is the Saints in 2017 and last year with Davenport and this year. They say, you know what, motherfucker, we were right about Kamara. Okay, we know what we're doing. Our evaluations are correct, and that's how they do it. Um, I think Andrew, at least with the Saints, they don't half step and try to do both. They are 100% committed to their plan and what they want to do. They don't try to like, oh, we're going to trade up and then we'll trade that. And, you know, we're going to trade up and then trade that. Like they, no, no. It's trade up, trade up, trade up all the time. Yep. And I, I kind of admired it. It's, it's we, knew, sort of a, we knew these guys weren't going to be able to help themselves. I mean, let's be honest. Like there was no way they were going to sit there patiently till 62 and be like, oh, hey, guys, it's our turn. Let's go ahead and uh, make our pick, I guess. Yeah. There's no because way that the thing, Because the thing is, your composite board put him at 41, and we'll have to see what the Saints say. But I'm willing to bet you, Andrew, that they had that center rated 
tw- anywhere from 20 to 35. Yeah, because I they, they had, first, had I, I there, bet they had a late first round grade on him. I bet you know, and because they had the first round grade on him, they could say it justifies the move to get him because we have him rated as the 30th best player in this draft. Um, so, you know, it's it's interesting that uh, you know they still need wide receiver help. Um, pass rush. So, what's that? receiver pass rush and uh and uh i would say receiver pass rush and tight end those are the three positions that i would say are most likely for them to draft if you can only get one more body you you still say you you'd want them to if you if they can get one more they're going to get one more guy in the top 100 let's say they're going to trade up and they're going to get one more guy in the top four rounds let's say are you giving me Ziggy Ansah? Yeah, I'll give you Ziggy Ansah. Okay, uh, then I want a receiver, receiver There's or tight end, either way. So, so if I don't give you Ziggy Ansah, then you're trying to find a pass rush guy. Correct. I think See, that's. I feel if I'm looking at the Saints right now, I think that's the number one need on the roster over receiver is a pass rusher. Yeah, I mean. It's so hard because I feel like pass rusher or tight end isn't really going to make much of an impact. I mean, rookie tight ends historically don't make much of an impact, even when you pick them high or they're Hall of Fame ones like Gronkowski. Neither do defensive ends much. You know, I mean, we had the argument. Remember when we picked? They picked Trey Hendrickson three years ago. We argued with Brian Pavick. He's like, he's going to have this many sacks, and, and you did the research, and you were like, look, guys that picked in the first round hardly ever have a sack. Uh, and I did over under for him for one, it was one and a half for the year, and he didn't hit it, you know. So I, yeah. I, I you know, so I don't know. I, I, the thing is to me, like, I think they got the center. I don't know. They, if they add Ziggy Ansa, Ziggy Ansa could be an answer at pass rusher. But anything they draft this year in the top one hundred, even if they move up and they get Foster Mora or a pass rusher or whoever you like in the stream, in the you know the live stream, people are saying. Um, the wide Metcalf, the wide receiver for Ole Miss, other guys, whoever they get isn't likely to do much. So the like the the cake that is their roster, like it's pretty much do- it, the, it's pretty much done. And the only thing that they're gonna add that could do any impact is Ziggy Ansah, which that dude's back must be as bad as my left arm, Andrew, because he's going. You mean, on you mean his shoulder? Yeah, his shoulder, because he's not getting any. Uh, He's he's going different. He's been to Baltimore. He's been to Cincinnati. He's been a bunch of places, um, you know. Uh, yeah. Let yeah. Let's get you know. Me and you had a discussion earlier today. People wanted, uh, and we talked about it just a little bit earlier. People really, really wanted the Saints. Either I was fighting with them. People wanted him to take Daniel Jones from Duke if he fell to sixty-two, and people wanted him to trade for Josh Rosen. Uh, Josh Rosen just got traded to Miami, so my wife will have a new quarterback to hate instead of Tannehill. Um, but give me your thoughts on quarterback on, 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 and where the Saints are. Yeah, I mean, I think they are committed to um, – I mean, it's clear. You know, they're committed to – Teddy Bridgewater, you know, for better or for worse. And they, they've given up a lot uh, of capital for Bridgewater. When you talk about a third-round pick and then $7 million this year, I mean, that's a ton of money for a backup quarterback. 
a lot of money, especially when you consider how much they're already paying Breeze. So they need to, they need to fully flush out that investment and they need to see this investment through before they go investing in another quarterback. It's just that they, they need to let this play out because anyone they bring in at this point, like remember Bridgewater is still only on a one year deal. And if they bring in someone else, that's only going to upset him. And that's not productive. They need to figure out if he's the guy. Now, if through training camp and then he plays preseason and he's not looking good in preseason you at that point you can make the decision okay we invested a third round pick we paid him seven million we were wrong let's get through this year with him in the back as the backup and then go find someone else next year and and you can make that decision after preseason but in my opinion you've got to see this through at least through preseason before you add anyone else because you've made that commitment that Bridgewater is your guy and he's made that commitment to you, at least for another year. And I, I just think you don't want to upset the apple cart here. Yeah, and the thing is, too, um, yeah, you could people will argue, well, they just did that with Nick Eason with, at center, right? But Nick Eason is more injury prone. You more injury prone, and you only you didn't invest a draft pick in Nick Easton. He's a free agent that you signed. You know, they've invested a, a considerable more in Bridgewater. The one thing that's funny, there's the also Dolphins, five positions across the offensive line. You got to remember, Nick Easton can play center. Uh, McCoy played center some at Texas A&M. So, like, these guys are not beholden to playing center. I mean, we, there, there are five spots across the offensive line, and the Saints are going to play the five best guys they have. Yeah, the funny thing is the the Dolphins traded the 62nd pick, which was originally the Saints pick. They traded that for Rosen. And then Andy Isabella, one of our favorites in our draft profiles, he went 62 to Arizona. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Yeah, we kind of nailed that, actually. Yeah. We should have, you know, is is Jalen Ferguson still available? He is. He is, man. I have to say, man, if the Saints could, if the Saints could move, if the Saints could move to get him and not give up any more 2020 assets, I would really like that pick. Not necessarily for this year to help him with the pass rush, but long term. And there's an argument to be made that, you know, the center can help them. Whatever you're going to get, and the next pick. For the draft, like that's for the you. You can't think of it. You can't think of the next pick that they're going to make in the fourth round at one sixteen, or they're going to trade up or whatever. You can't think of that as oh, that guy's going to be a plug and play guy. He's going to help us now. No, you've got to think of hey, he's a guy that we think will be ready in 2020, 2021. Um, you know, uh, do you think do do you think there's anything? Ed, do you think they're going to burn any more 2020 assets today or tomorrow? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, why stop now? <laughs> I do. Somebody said I have a, a man crush on Jalen Ferguson. He's local. He's a sack guy. I mean, what's not to love? Plus, we have a draft profile of him that if the Saints, um, if the Saints pick him, um, Andrew, uh, I get to 
I get to run um, I get to run this thing a bunch of times. Today's Saints Happy Hour Draft Day Spotlight is Jalen Ferguson of Louisiana Tech. Saints fans' expectations for the 6'4", 271-pound defensive end Ferguson will be so high he could go to the Hall of Fame and still be disparaged as a failure. Ferguson can convert speed to power and once ate 37 Krispy Kreme donuts in a single sitting. One AFC scout gushed to Saints happy hour like a schoolgirl when talking about Ferguson. I absolutely love this guy. He's almost too good to be true. He's like football Viagra. I was talking to Andy Reid, and he's as excited about this guy as he was about Taco Charlton. Granted, he did think that was the new Mexican restaurant about to open. Jalen Ferguson's YouTube highlights will make you need a cigarette and a nap. Ferguson gets the first ever perfect Saints happy hour draft day score of 11.6. This has been the Saints happy hour draft day spotlight. All right, so Andrew, somebody asked in the chat room, Ferguson or Ziggy? Who would you rather? Hmm. I think I go Ferguson. Ooh. Give me the cheap four-year contract. Yeah, I mean, I, the thing because the, the thing is with Ziggy, even if he's he's thirty really, years old, even if he's really good for the Saints. He's a one-year player, but that doesn't matter because you're looking to win now. But I think the absolute ceiling for Ziggy, if you're being realistic, is like five and a half sacks. They play him not that much to protect his shoulder. And he's a nice player, but he doesn't really – he's not going to be a game changer. Like you want to say, oh, he'll be, he'll be like he was where he was getting double-digit sacks, but I don't think that's possible anymore for him with his shoulder. Um, so I would take Ferguson just because the long term you're better off. Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, I agree. So the so again the Saints got the fastest guy, the fastest O line of the draft. That's interesting. Metcalf went to the seat. Well, the seat. I'll tell you right now, you can ask Jonathan Goodwin. They love to pull their center. They love to pull their center, uh, especially on screen passes. So uh, if he's fast, uh, that will be utilized. Yeah, um, so it's it's been it's been great. It's been the thing is with the Saints, it it, it there is a com- there is a comfort, Andrew, as you watch these teams that uh, the Giants, the Raiders, and people are like, "What the fuck are you doing? I don't understand what you're doing." There is a comfort to the Saints in that they have their plan. They are consistent, and they execute it year after year after year. Whether it's 2014 and they traded up for Brandon Cooks and the rest of the draft is a disaster, or 2017 when it was maybe the greatest draft in NFL history, or last year with Davenport, or this year with McCoy. Like, they're consistent. And there's comfort, to me, there's comfort in that, that, like, one, we get to make the jokes about them trading up all the time and they do it. But second of all, like, you know what they want to do. Can you imagine being a fucking giant fan and you're like, what mm. are you doing? You know, that that must be the worst. The worst. <laughs> the worst, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've i seen that guy 
uh, Daniel Jones play against UVA twice, and I think he had two touchdowns and nine interceptions in two games against UVA. Uh, that, that UVA defense, by the way, terrible. Just awful. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I rest my case, man. I rest my case. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I feel pretty good about where the Saints are in their offseason. I just think the thing that worries me going into 2019 is, and and we'll and I'll probably say this ad nauseum as we get into the dead period and then we get into the training camp is I feel pretty good about their roster. Like I know, yes, they need a pass rusher. You'd like a little youth at tight end and some other things. The thing is, for me, the thing that worries me most about going into 2019 is it's just so goddamn hard to maintain a 13 and three level. No matter how deep your roster is, no matter how good you think it is, no matter what you supplement it with in free agency in the draft, it's just hard to maintain that level. And I just yeah. think they're going to be hard-pressed. I think they're going to slide back, and they're going to be a 9 to an 11-win team. And it's just going to be because of injuries and decline and circumstances. I mean, if they churn out a third straight 11-plus win season, that'll be a hell of a thing. Now, I know they did it in 2009, 10, and 11. They turned out 13, 11, 13. So it's possible. Uh, but that's where I am with this roster. Uh, and I guess this is a question that, that I'll ask for. Uh, you can answer it, and I want people in the chat room to answer too. You know, Andrew, in yeah. 2009, 10, and 11, right, they won the Super Bowl in 2000, 2009, and it was awesome. Then they had the heartbreak and mess of Seattle in the playoffs. They got Beastquake. And then they had the, the play with San Francisco where Vernon Davis did what he did, Greg Woodman. They couldn't do it, and, they, and, and then Green Bay lost, so we feel like they lost another chance to get to a Super Bowl, a winner Super Bowl. I was thinking this today. If they can win the Super Bowl in 2019, it'll be like 2009 to 2011, but the script will be flipped, right? They won the yep. Super Bowl, and then they had the horrific playoff suffering. If they win the Super Bowl this year and have the, the playoff suffering on the front end, will this Super Bowl, will it maybe be sweeter than 2009? I know that's crazy to say because 2009 is so special, but man, Andrew, if they win this and they go through all this playoff suffering, 2019, it might be better, I think, potentially. Uh, I feel like 2009 would almost feel like felt like destiny, you know, or like um, the impossible happened. I mean, remember that whole thing with Jim Henderson, pigs have flown, hell is frozen yeah. over. I mean, that's what that felt like. Um, this would feel like um, it's just different. You know, the expectations are different. Um, and so th this would be vindication, you know, or um, maybe there's a better word for it, you know, that kind of encapsulates rebounding from a disaster. But um, I, I think this, this, this would be uh, sweeter in the sense that um, – it's a different kind of adversity, right? Um, I think for years, like, I think the adversity at first was they can never do it. Like, they're never going to be good enough. Too, too small market of a team, too small-minded, um, whatever. But, like, th this, is not a, this is not attainable for us. And so these last few years, it certainly feels attainable, and we believe that they could do it, and we had our guts yeah. ripped out. And so I think 
to be able to overcome that adversity, um, I, I think you're getting at that it would be sweeter in the sense that it's it's just different. Like the mindset's different, but so in a way, it's like you're almost conquering different kinds of demons. Yeah, <laughs> Dylan says my favorite Lombardi is the next one. Um, can I just say they had a video of Eric McCoy? <laughs> they had the video of Eric McCoy when the Saints called him to let him know that he got picked. Uh, it was really cool because he was really emotional. But props to him because he had the he has the wood paneling like my is in my house. I grew up in Lakeview. That classic '70s brown wood paneling behind him. So props to fake you, fake wood, right? What? Well, yeah. Yeah, my my, yeah, yeah. my house in Lakeview. My mom, st- my mom still has it, even though Lakeview has gone from solid middle class to like uber upper uber upper upper middle class. The Marlboro oh, house yeah. still has the fake wood paneling in the den and the tin roof. Well, like the you know, there, there's two things that I want to point out about Eric McCoy that I really like. Uh, first of all, again, I want to point out that stat: 471 pass blocking attempts zero sacks given up. So Mm -hmm. um, you look at his pass blocking um, and it was tremendous. Um, Secondly, you know, you're seeing all these Clemson and Alabama defensive linemen get picked. Um, He went up against both Clemson and Alabama this past year. um, And his tape, his tape against both teams is spectacular. Um, So when you look at all these guys getting picked um, and, and vaunted as terrific players that are going to be successful in the NFL, well, he went up against both his senior year this past yep. season and looked very good. You know, and look, it's one, it's only a couple of games, but that matters, man. Willie Rofe went from like an obscure second, third round pick. Louisiana Tech went to Alabama when they had Curry and Copeland, two defensive ends that got picked in the top 12 of the NFL draft. Willie Rofe and Louisiana Tech, Willie Rofe went there, stoned both of them. Louisiana Tech lost 10 to nothing. And then the NFL was like, oh, the dude from Louisiana Tech just stoned two top ten picks. Maybe we need to look at him further, you know. Um, so that stuff, it does. Even though it's one, it's 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 a small sample size. It does matter a lot. Um, yeah. You know. So look, as we see, sort of, uh, as we sort of wrap this up, uh, I, you know, um, let me look in the chat room and see what we got. Uh, if we wanted, this is from Allison Smith, another super fan. If we win another Super Bowl this coming year, would it be sweeter in a sense because of the redemption and vindication it would carry? Yeah, I mean, I, like like Andrew said, 2009 felt like destiny. If they win in 2019, Allison, it'll feel like the Saints are just John Wick murdering people after they killed his puppy, and the Saints just went and fucking took it. Like, it wasn't about Payback, destiny. Huh? It wasn't yeah. about anything. It was about we went and took what the fuck was ours? You know, it's, it's like a different experience. I don't know that one is sweeter than the other. I don't know that I would say like it. I don't know that I would use the word sweeter, but I think it, it's a different experience. And therefore, like, I don't know that I could put 2009 above it or below it necessarily. But, definitely, you know, definitely. I, I, some people think it's like, you know, we you always talk about like, addicts you know we say the it's never as you're always chasing that first hit right your experience <laughs> after the first hit you're always you want that first high yeah. but but uh i i think this would be a completely different kind of high is my point and so i i yeah. think it's one of those things where um you can't really compare the two and it would feel amazing in its own way and really yeah. special yeah i mean so you know we're gonna we're gonna um we're going to wrap this up. Uh, uh, do you think there's any 
do you you ask me about Pete? Do you think Pete is going to be on the roster after today and tomorrow? I think so. Um, you know, Montedulo is making a good point in the chat room that they really are. are uh, is it Robert Norton? I think they both did. Yeah. Um, but there's really no backup left tackle. Like if something happens to Armstead, and of course we have to kind of assume that that's the case uh, because Armstead has had trouble staying healthy. Yes. Um, you know, now yeah, I guess you could kick Ramchick out there and bring in Michael Ola, but um, you know, again, this is Drew's last year. You, you want to have more options if injuries happen, not less on the offensive line. I mean, we've got to keep Drew Brees upright and um yeah, so I, I think whatever you can do to make the offensive line as stout and steady and healthy as possible, you got to do. Uh, you want more options, not less. Yeah, um, and you know the thing is for for the thing is for Pete is the roster. You know, like we talked before, the, the cake is baked for the 2019 Saints, basically. So the fact that he's on a one-year deal with a big cap hit. It doesn't matter now because free agency is done. You don't need that space, right? So to me, whether the Saints are going to keep him long-term or not, I just feel like I feel much more comfortable with him at left tackle because you like the over-under on games for Armstead, if Vegas set the number, it would probably be eight and a half starts, right? You're going to mm-hmm. get out of Armstead. If, and that's probably on the high end, right, Andrew? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, a parting thought, too, is like, I really don't care how guys get in the building. I really don't care how they manipulate the, the draft. I really don't care how they position themselves and move around the board. Just get good guys in the building. Get good yeah. players in the building. I, I believe they did that today. I believe they drafted yeah. a guy who's going to be a good player for them. And so as long as they keep doing that, uh, worry less about how they get in the building. Let's just worry about how they do on the field. Yeah, so anyway, that wraps it up, everybody. Look, this one's free. It's a live stream. If the Saints do a trade, we might come back on tonight. But look, we're doing this every freaking day. And it's the only Saints podcast I can find out there, Andrew, that does a podcast every freaking day. So if you guys are in the live stream, probably a lot of you are in the live stream. We've been working weekends now. Yeah, we're even working weekend nights for you people. So if you're not a subscriber, get over to Patreon. Pay $7 a month. You get Saints podcast every day. You get a beer koozie. And listen, man, me and Andrew, we talk every day. I talk to Andrew during the day more than I talk to my own wife. We have – my life, uh, you know. My life. So we have some really cool stuff planned for the season. That in season, you're going to want to be a subscriber. It's fucking $7 a month. I paid $7 for a large Starbucks coffee today with an extra shot because I had to stay awake at work because I got up at 5. Th- that's nothing. You didn't, you, didn't, you, didn't, you didn't need that coffee. I <laughs> I did. You, should, you I should have paid that to the podcast. You should, I should have. I should have. I mean, listen, Dave's mom is a patron. So if Dave's mom can be a patron, you can be a patron out there, people. So anyway, for Andrew, for Kevin, and Dave, who are MIA, Dave's at Cub Scouts, uh, until next week, or until later, the bar is closed temporarily. It might be... Uh, for 30 minutes. We might come on tomorrow if the Saints do something crazy. If not, we'll see you Monday. Monday. Thanks for joining us, guys. We appreciate it.
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be Continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.